the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The author spends as much time uh, in his gospel in the last two days, the last 48 hours of Jesus' life and ministry, as he does on the previous 33 years. And it's a pattern that's shared by all of the gospel writers. They all place the emphasis on the last eight days, the period of time we oftentimes refer to as the Passion Week. Welcome to another daily visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and we're continuing in the book of John. Pastor Leighton will take us through a bit of a New Testament overview today. So if you want to follow along and perhaps take some notes, I encourage you to do that. Get your Bible open to the 12th chapter of the book of John and be ready. If you'd like more details about Church of the Highlands, where you will hear this kind of preaching on a regular basis, go to their website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And if you're looking for a church where you can not only worship but also serve, then I encourage you to check out all of the opportunities at Church of the Highlands. Again, that website is highlands.us. And now wrapping up the week here on this Friday is Pastor Leighton Sheely. There are 89 chapters in all of the Gospels. Only four of the chapters cover the first 30 years of Jesus' life. 85 chapters cover the last three years of his life and ministry. And of those 85 chapters, 27 deal with the last eight days of Jesus' life. So really about one-third of the Gospel record deals with only the last week. And it places the emphasis on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's a misrepresentation of the gospel if the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not preeminent. It's a, a fact that comprises the gospel. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I have determined to not know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, the gospel of John has often been called the gospel of belief, and that's rightly so because the verb pisteuo, believe, is found 98 times in the gospel of John. By contrast, it's only found 11 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, and 9 times in Luke, but 98 times in the Gospel of John. And so throughout the pages of this Gospel, the clear emphasis is on a genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. John's purpose in writing the Gospel was so that his readers might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they might have life in his name. And in accordance with that purpose, the author consistently presents the claims of Jesus to be God in human flesh. Jesus' seven I am statements are nothing less than an emphatic declaration of his deity and messiahship. And that is verified by the response of the unbelieving Jews because they wanted to pick up stones and stone him for blasphemy because he dared to claim to be God. Now to authenticate his claims, Jesus performed many Miracles, which the author calls signs because they point to something. They point to the fact that Jesus is who he claimed to be. There are seven that were selected out of all of the miracles that Jesus performed to be included in the gospel up until this point. There's an eighth uh, miracle that's found in chapter 21. 
But the raising of Lazarus is the most spectacular display of divine power through Jesus Christ. Now, it did encourage his believers, and they were going to need that encouragement to go through the weeks, uh, the events of the weeks to come. It also substantiated his claim to being divine, but the primary purpose was to give glory to Jesus and the Father. The radical claim that Jesus is God it always compels people to make a decision, and you can either accept it or reject it, but there's only two possible responses. You either accept it or you reject it. As John states in his gospel, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There's no third position for people. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm still evaluating. Give me some time. Give me some space. If If you need that, then you really are opposed to him. Jesus himself said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Now, there was people in Jesus' ministry who reacted to him with open hostility. There were others who were indifferent. In fact, he said on one occasion that Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, three cities that had witnessed many of his miracles, were worse than the paganism of Tyre and Sidon and the immorality of, of Sodom. They had, they had been lukewarm in terms of their response to Jesus. And then there was a third group, and that was the group that put their faith in Jesus Christ uh, is who he claimed to be. And all three of these groups are represented in the verses that follow. We're going to begin at verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, what Jesus had did, believed in him. And so the first group that the author brings our attention to is those who believed. He says they were of the Jews, that there were many of them, and that they'd come to visit Mary. It's interesting that he should say that they'd come to visit Mary because Martha is really the primary or emphasized sister And it may have been that Martha was not so much a people person as a task person. We kind of see that in her character. Mary was more like a people person. Maybe people knew her. They they knew that she needed uh, consolation. Whatever the reason, the emphasis here, as in verse 31 and 33, is on Mary. And then the people who had seen the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, they not only saw it with their eyes, but they considered it with their mind. And they recognized the significance of that event and what took place. And they drew the only reasonable conclusion, which was to put their faith in Jesus Christ. The statement they believed in him is simple, and yet it's critical, because saving faith is always placed in Jesus Christ as Lord and no other. As John says in a couple of chapters from now, in chapter 14, Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that was the teaching of the early church. Acts chapter 4, the history of the early church, says that there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name given under heaven that has been given among men by which we can be saved. Now some believed, but verse 46 says, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we going to do? For this man performs... Many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should perish for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into the children, one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Now, you would think that a miracle so spectacular as raising somebody from the dead after four days in the tomb would have turned skeptics to Jesus. 
but it didn't. Our Lord had said earlier that if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded even though someone be raised from the dead. Jesus' action, his words often caused division among those who heard and, and witnessed them. Many believed, but others didn't. They went on and visited the Pharisees to tell them what Jesus had done. Now, there have been some commentators who wanted to give these people the benefit of the doubt. They suggest they went to the Pharisees to, because they were perplexed. They were, they were going to say, well, explain, what does this mean? I don't understand. Or perhaps that they had gone to, uh, to tell the Pharisees they needed to reconsider their position with Jesus. You know, I know you don't like Jesus, but you need to give him another, another chance, another thought, because he really is legit. But because they're contrasted here with those who believed, and they knew of the bitter hatred the Pharisees had towards Jesus, although John does not make an explicit declaration about their motive in this context, it can be little doubt, but it is acted upon in a spirit of hostility. Now, it's not surprising that the people sought out the Pharisees instead of the Sadducees, because the Sadducees were mostly associated with the temple in Jerusalem, whereas the Pharisees were the teachers at the local synagogues, which interacted with the common people most often. And so the Sadducees were alarmed by this news of yet another miracle and even more astonishing than those that had preceded. And so it spurred them into action. They didn't have the authority to act on their own, so they went with some of the chief priests, the former high priests and members of the priestly families, and the Pharisees convened a meeting of the council, or the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the ruling body in the nation of Israel under Rome, and they had authority in civil, criminal, and also religious matters, although they didn't have an authority that extended to capital punishment. And that's why they had to go to Pilate to get permission to put Jesus to death. Now, in the Sanhedrin, both Pharisees and Sadducees, they both sought to control and manipulate people, but through different means. The Pharisees would use religious laws in order to tell people what to do. The Sadducees would use political laws in order to tell people what to do. But fundamentally, they both had the same desire, and that was to control people. Uh, the Sadducees were intensely political. They were a wealthy and aristocratic party. They were a collaborationist party. As long as they were allowed to retain their wealth and comfort and position, then they were quite satisfied to collaborate with Rome. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't get along. In fact, really, they hated each other. They had nothing in common. The Pharisees were devoted to the Old Testament Scripture and the, their traditions. The Sadducees only to the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of bodies or life after death and the existence of angel. And the Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't. Uh, they didn't believe in life after death. This life is all you get. You might as well get out of it as much as you can. Religion is just a business, a means by which we can make a profit. The Pharisees were ultra-nationalists, and they chafed under the yoke of Rome, and the Sadducees were compromising political opportunists. The Pharisees came prim primarily from the middle class, whereas the Sadducees came from the aristocratic wealthy, and they had this hatred for one another that caused constant contention. However, their hatred for Jesus was even greater, and that's what brought them together. We need to beware when the enemies of Christ and Christianity, who under normal circumstance hate each other, come together to work together to eliminate Christ and Christianity. We need to beware. Well, from this point on, John doesn't mention the Pharisees very often because now the opposition to Jesus has been placed in the hands of the, 
of the, of the Sadducees and chief priests. And that's also true of the other Gospels as well. And they asked this question, what are we getting done here? And it was a question. And now why were they asking that question? Well, because they'd had this contention going with Jesus following an age-old pattern. And by the way, the pattern is still used today because it still works. You want to know what the pattern is? Bet you do. Oh boy, I'm sorry. We have run out of time today and we have to end right there. Come back on Monday at this same time and we'll hear exactly what uh, Pastor Layton wants to tell us about that pattern. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno called Study Verse by Verse. And we would love to know that you've tuned in. You can go to our website and share that fact with us. Just click on the Connect link on the homepage. That's highlands.us. Speaking of connecting, the shortened mission statement for Church of the Highlands is connecting people to God and each other. If you'd like to explore that thought more, if you resonate with that, then go to the website and check out all of the opportunities you have for not only worship, but also ministry and service. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and your weekend, and come back on Monday at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of John and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.